Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. It's bad enough to be misdiagnosed with a mental health condition, but imagine being intentionally and wrongfully diagnosed in order to harm you, in order to shut you up. When a young Craig Lewis, who now goes by the name Gregorio, was taken to see a psychiatrist, he told the truth, that he was being abused by his parents, and that began what he calls the beginning of the end of his life. After 28 years of being told and believing that he was mentally ill, Gregorio was able to get his diagnoses debunked and try to pick up the pieces and look toward a better life. But that's not at all how it turned out. My name is Craig, back north of the border, but here in Mexico, and I think for the rest of my life, I prefer being called Gregorio. I'm from Boston. I spent nearly my entire life living in Massachusetts. I'm a punk rocker. I went to my first show in 1989. I met my first punk rocker in 1988 in a psychiatric hospital. And now I'm 48 years old. I'm still a punk rocker. I learned to love myself after a lifetime of not liking myself. I was diagnosed with mental illnesses that I never had. A lot of people confuse my story with me being misdiagnosed, but that is incorrect. When I was a child, much like many rebellious young people who go the punk rock path, that was an unacceptable path for me to go on. And my family took some action to stop the beautiful young kid that I was turning into the beautiful young adult that I should have been by having me intentionally diagnosed with schizophrenia. That was the beginning of the end of my life. Now, I live here in Mexico. I've been here for three and a half years. I arrived here as a homeless person, which is not what I wanted my life to be like when I was in my mid-40s, but that's the way it went. I spent a year and a half or so prior without a home on the streets and in the hostels and the squats of 27 European countries. Ultimately, I spent over the past five years, I've been in 40 countries as I learned to cope with living with being intentionally diagnosed, the 28 years of torture that that was for me. And then now seven years of first escaping abuse, escaping abusers, (laughs) being a grown adult and having to actually say I'm escaping abuse and like people are trying to kill me. And have it be true, but have people think I'm crazy and say, I'm the fuck out of here. I spent a year plus 
in non-English speaking countries before I ended up in Mexico, talking and speaking and sharing of my story of how the fuck did I survive or how am I surviving having lived 28 years of my life being intentionally made sick by psychiatric drugs. Now going back when you say that about being a kid and being a punk rocker and being this beautiful person who is open to these ideas and finding out about life and supporting other people in the scene. And then it sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, your parents saw something completely different. As a lot of people do, they see punk rock heavy metal as being the devil's music or as being dangerous or scary. And am I getting that right? Were your parents looking to kind of explain something they couldn't explain? And that's part of what they did getting you intentionally diagnosed? Yes, except it wasn't at all about me. It was about them. And that is why I had to be shut up. Because the way they were behind closed doors, the way my financially comfortable, respectable family with my father with his corporate law job and my mother with her position in the Jewish community and well-respected, nobody could find out how they were behind closed doors. And I couldn't not know because I was living it. And so I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to tell the truth because, you know, most kids are brought up, told, tell the truth. So when they would say there's something wrong with me because I was being gaslighted by my mother and my father and the sick things they were doing, they started to bring me to see a psychiatrist and a therapist. And uh, I just told the truth. I simply told the truth about what was happening. And I didn't know that I was describing severe abuse. I just said what was going on. So ultimately, and I know this only from finding this out years later, my parents, each time they were told that the problem was them and not me, I was aware that something was wrong with them and I was reacting to it, which is their problem. They made it my problem. And ultimately, after they found the seventh mental health professional to tell the same story to, that person took the money. And that's how they had me locked up in 1988. And that was well, the beginning of 28 years of that. <laughs> You're using 28 years as a benchmark there. And I'm hearing what you're saying is that you said the beginning of your life and the end of your life, 28 years of being unaware of what was going on or not feeling like you knew who you were or. Yeah. I mean, I never had cancer, so I don't want to disrespect anyone's experience, but what I can say is hopefully it's a somewhat reasonable analogy to make that if you were treated with chemotherapy, which is like toxic medicine intended to help you supposed to help you heal from something well i experienced something similar but via psychiatric drugs and so if you live the life of 28 years of being on chemotherapy and never having a break but somehow living through the whole thing you're going to lose your friends you're going to have so much crisis like sickness your personality is affected you can't function. You need help. You're desperate sometimes. Well, the same for me. And then what happens if you survived all that? And then they said, oh, we made a mistake in 1988. A mistake, right? You never had cancer, so we're going to stop the treatment. We're sorry. But I didn't get a sorry. So you got off the drugs yourself. 
Well, I got off the drugs because I proved I was a child victim. Because I'm a punk yeah. rocker. Man, I was working as a mental health worker in Massachusetts. Like, I fought through every fucked up thing that ever happened to me. I defied every obstacle put in my way. Never even knowing that all those obstacles were fraud. My parents fucking set me up. They're sick. We're from a Jewish background. Our family, like most Jews, had some sort of harm happen to them via the Holocaust. If you don't cope with that shit, you don't get support, you don't get help with like the trauma that you've taken inside you, you don't process it, then you're going to abuse your children. And I was born in 1973. That's exactly what they did. I understand that that's not their fault, what happened to them, but they did not have to treat me like crap. So you know what I'm saying? 28 years of my life, I was something that I wasn't. I never even knew. And only in 2015, thank the heavens, I finally was able to get off all the drugs because I obtained my mental health documentation from the Massachusetts Department of Mental Health while employed by the Massachusetts Department of Mental Health, training mental health workers who work for the Department of Mental Health and learning how to help people with trauma with the designation of certified peer specialist. Then I find out via the company I employed by that in the same building I have an office in, there's a file cabinet with documents that I then obtained legally that said I was working for people who for 28 years had in a filing cabinet documents that stated that they knew I was being abused and they didn't stop me. They didn't protect me is what I'm saying. I was fucked on every angle. So how did I get off the drugs? I took those documents. I got a different psychiatrist. And they said, oh, my God. And then they looked at me. And they listened to me, and I told them my story. And then they looked at the books I had authored because I had already published a mental health recovery workbook uh, called Better Days. They said, this kid is a victim. And the psychiatrist at Boston Medical Center, collectively, they said, if you don't stop taking these pills, Craig, you're never going to have a chance to get better. They said, you're never going to heal. We're taking these diagnoses off your file. And to this day, it says debunked. They removed every diagnosis, uh, no schizophrenia, no schizoaffective disorder, no bipolar disorder, nothing. All debunked. Medication discontinued. Like tapered off over two years. What did the meds do to you as a person who did not have those conditions? Was there side effects? Was there any major things that affected you over those two decades or almost three decades, I guess? I don't want to offend anybody who is experiences benefit from different sorts of treatments. So with that said, can you imagine that other human beings reacted to me and I never knew that the reason why people were weird with me wasn't because I was weird. I mean, I am weird, but I'm good weird now. I like myself, but <laughs> I was bad weird and I didn't even know why. I self-identified as having mental illness and I was like very open about it. And I was working as a mental health worker who openly identified as having mental illness. Whole freaking time, I'm all freaking crazy inside, trying to do everything I can to be healthy and well. And mosquitoes aren't biting me until I stop taking the drugs. So are those side effects? I don't think so, because if I got better, I don't have any of these issues. I'm fucked by trauma. The devastation of 28 years. It's not just the 28 years. It's the seven years since. <laughs> People appreciated me because I was working hard to contribute. Like I was booking shows. I know you're from British Columbia, right? I booked shows for Submission Hold twice. 
that's why I'm, I'm in love with the theme song from your podcast. I was active in the fanzine. I played in punk bands. People tolerated me, not just like, oh, we're going to put up with them. No, that they liked me in some ways because I, I was a DIY punk. They never knew I was a little crazy, but can you imagine everyone finding out and me finding out that the whole entire story of my life was a fraud? Yeah, it's all real. And everyone else experienced the same things with me. So if we had problems or crisis or whatever, yeah, that's real. But the whole thing's fake. That's the impact. When you were a young punk starting out and people dictated to you that you were ill or disordered or sick or all these things that we tell people with mental health conditions are, and it sounds to me like you were just being a punk. Did you need to be healed? Did you need to have someone intervene and help you at that point? Obviously not the intervention that you got. Yeah, I needed to be protected from my parents. You have lots of people on your show who are mental health workers or like doing good work in the world. And I actually know a bunch of the people you've interviewed personally, different people over the years. And so I really needed help, my friends. I actually wasn't sick. I was actually trying to manage myself. I needed someone to help me. I needed people to be nice to me and be kind to me. But yes, what happened up until 2015, it was one thing. Nobody could have known, except my parents and like my employer, right? <laughs> that uh, the whole thing was a fraud. None of my friends, people mostly aren't my friends anymore. I understand people didn't know what to do with me because I went crazy. I mean, I'm going to use that word. I now am good crazy, but I wasn't good crazy back then. So I lost everything and everyone, or I seem to think I did. I don't really know because I fought everybody because I was desperate and begging and for everything. I was scared and freaked out. So it's since then, it's now. It's the now that's the hard part because people could just say, oh, Craig's doing great. Craig's in treatment. He's working as a mental health worker where he self-identifies with his mental illness and he's working really hard and he's giving these talks, punk rock, mental health and recovery crowd around. We respect him. Look at him take control of his life. But then, Hey, I just got these medical documents. They're fucking official. I'm officially uncertified crazy. <laughs> like, hello, everybody. Can we be friends now? Can we really be? Oh, shit. Craig's no longer uh, easy to deal with or classify. Or he has a brain. He's smart. He can think. He's no longer drugged out. And a lot of people like you may interview and talk with go with the opposite experience where they have all these bad experiences, but then they finally get to this pinnacle, this point where then they can break free and then they have this new life and then they blossom. Well, it happened the opposite for me, but not because of anything I did wrong, but simply because of the nature of the abuse that I was subjected to isn't <laughs> societally acceptable uh, to heal from because you're not supposed to freaking heal from because it's not supposed to happen. What brought you to Mexico? Because you mentioned the last seven years have been really tough and maybe harder than any time in your life. So what brought you here and what's happened in the last seven years? I'm grateful to give this summary. And I know that it's audio, but I just have to say that although I'm talking about really screwed up stuff, I think I would have had a permanent smile on my face. So that's really the point of talking about all this. That's why I'm on this show right now speaking with you. That's why I write the books I write and continue to fight for what I believe in, which is helping people like us, like me like Jason, like have the chance to be free to talk, to express themselves and to heal. So even though I'm talking about really painful things and it fucking hurts because I don't like what happened to me and I wish things were different, each day gets a little bit better. 
So I am smiling, even though I'm like, I'm hurt. I feel the pain, but I'm smiling. So Jason, thanks for the opportunity to be here with you like this. I have a little secret, a bad secret. I mean, it's a public secret. That's why it's so bad. I was working as a mental health worker for a long time. And uh, as I shared previously, uh, working for the Department of Mental Health. And well, let's just say I was working for them in an additional capacity, not just training mental health workers directly through them, but working as a contracted peer worker, a peer specialist. It's called the Certified Peer Specialist through a recovery learning network in the state of Massachusetts. And I just moved to a different part of the state and I moved in with a girlfriend for the first time ever. And uh, I got a new job at this place. And let's just say my coworker was a sicko. I don't know what else to call him. A very sick man who should not be working with people like us. Some bad things happened and I reported it. And so as you can appreciate, if I'm working for the same people, <laughs> the same people who I just came out about talking about the fact that they had my medical documents for all these years and I was never sick, the whole thing. Well, let's just say the state and the, the people in the leadership and the mental health community they just shut me down, dude. What happened to me in 2015 is completely insane. It's a miracle that I'm alive. So I didn't get off pills and then begin my life. I got off pills without knowing how to conduct myself, without having emotional maturity, without knowing how to deal with the fact that, well, put it this way, if mosquitoes started to bite me in 2015 and they had it bit me for years, well, the girls did the same thing. And I was just completely like incapable of handling any of that stuff. And I was emotionally mature. And for the first time, people thought I was cute. It was really, really an amazing and completely fucked up period of time. And at the same time, I was a witness to something that I wish I had never seen. And frankly, as much as I'm a survivor and no one should ever be abused, I should have kept my fucking mouth shut, but I didn't. And I reported it. And so... I basically hit the trifecta with like the authority of mental health. And that was the end of me. So I've not worked since. <laughs> I have been blacklisted. I was at the lowest point in my life and it kicked me so much further down. People are supposed to help you up, right? Like you've been punk rockers. So even my punk rock friends and people who work in the mental health fields and like radical mental health and everyone, man, I was ditched. So how did I end up in Mexico? <laughs> Because I was going to be homeless in Massachusetts and I said, fuck this. Why would I let this happen to me? I'm going to give myself a chance. I bought a one-way ticket to Paris. Lived in Paris for three months. I met a girl, lived with her. Then she had me leave. <laughs> and so I moved into a squad with about 15 African men who came across the Mediterranean and rafts, all of whom experienced horrors. And I began a new life. And I lived in Europe more or less for a year. Finally, I bought a plane ticket. I rented a home here in Mexico. And here we are. I've been here ever since. You know, I respect everybody's journey and experience. And I know folks who take drugs, don't take drugs. And I'm wondering for someone like me who was diagnosed four years ago, almost to the day now, with bipolar, I don't use the word disorder. That for me, I consider bipolar to be a mental health condition that I have, uh, an emotional dysregulation that I have within my body. But I have been medicated since the very beginning. And yeah, it sucked. It took a really long time to figure out what was going on. My body took a really long time to adjust. Mosquitoes bite me more than ever, so I don't know what's going on in that regard. What would you say to someone who lives with a mental health condition who is medicated and stable and is happy with that? I'd say respect to you and keep doing what you're doing 
And if you feel happy and you feel like your life is in your hands and you feel like you can make good decisions that result in your life getting better, respect and go out there in the world and help other people who might not understand that there's ways to get better, whether it's one path to take or another, no matter what you choose to do, just do something. Respect. What do you need at this point to feel more happy, to feel more alive, to feel more settled in your body? <laughs> the real bottom line is this is the thing that made people just be repelled by me more than anything else was that I became financially destitute in a way that I don't want to tell anybody. And um, well, I mean, I am, I do talk about it, but I, I really became desperate. I, I was very desperate, not like crying for help, not like I'm looking for attention. Not like I just want to like stay somewhere fancy. No, I was desperate doing things that no one listening to this would want to do. A lot of different things because this growing man became desperate in a way and he didn't know what to do. So I had to accept that my, all my old friends and everyone, whoever knew me, didn't know who I was. And then when Everything changed in 2015 that there was this beautiful moment where I was loved. And everyone kind of gave me a break. That immediately crashed before I even had a chance. And that was it. That was the severing of everything. And I got desperate. When I became desperate, people just thought I needed to take my pills. They didn't understand. And so I got dropped. I got dropped. But I didn't... Uh, actually uh loose and so i live in a beautiful place i have beautiful people in my life i have beautiful cats and uh people who care about me what do i need i would like to um have some support from the people who are able to bring it to me or to offer it to me because the truth is i'm struggling the way that i can uh make my life better and better and better is by bringing in the cash that I need to handle all the things that you have to handle when you have to start a brand new life in a foreign country without a job and without a family and without friends and without the language and trying to heal from a severe like trauma to your life. So that's why I wrote the books that I did. That's why I continue to publish all that I do. And if there's people out there who like punk rock and they want to hear stories from punk rockers with stories that are both similar and different to mine and similar and different to Jason's and all the other guests on the show and beyond. I have these books that I published that showcase these stories and it's called You're Crazy. Uh, so far I have You're Crazy Volume 1 and Volume 2 and that's how my people, that's how our people can like help me because that's what I need is to be okay. I just need to be stable. That's what I need. Oh, yeah, it all's become a free man. 
That was my conversation with Craig Gregorio Lewis, sanityisafulltimejob.org. I now have a Tee Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch. So head over to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Big news over here in Scream Therapy land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com slash book. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Pal River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohaman Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. If you don't,